Peace be upon you. So when Adam and Eve were in paradise, they were given an abundance of everything. We read in Surah 2 verse 35, it says, We said, O Adam, live with your wife in paradise and eat therefrom generously as you please, but do not approach this tree lest you sin. The Arabic word used for this description of paradise is ragadan, which means to eat and drink freely without toil, meaning that you could have whatever you want for food, for drink, for provisions, and you don't have to work for it. It was just freely given to you. And interesting enough, it wasn't until they sinned by not only approaching the tree, but eating from it, that the punishment of this was that they were sent down here on earth. And what do individuals on earth need to do? They need to work for their food and their provisions. That their punishment was the fact that before when they had everything freely given to them without work, without toil, that now they had to go and you know, plow the land. They had to go and hunt for food. And uh, this was the punishment for them breaking God's commandment in paradise. In uh, Genesis chapter 2, starting from verse 15, we read, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and tend it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For on that day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so we're seeing that the similarity in language, that in Arabic it uses the term ragadan. And then in the Bible it says uh, that you can uh, eat from the, 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 the tree its fruit freely. And it continues in Genesis uh, chapter 3, starting from verse 17, it reads, Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground because of you. With hard labor you shall eat from it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. You shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. We see this is a constant pattern in the Quran. That when someone commits sin, all of a sudden something that was given freely, abundantly, all of a sudden becomes difficult. Where they will work twice as hard and reap a fraction of the benefit. But we see another example of this uh, in the, uh, the, the, the Bible as a punishment for Adam's two sons when one of them killed the other. So in Surah 5 verse 27 of the Quran, we read, Recite for them the true history of Adam's two sons. They made an offering, and it was accepted from one of them, but not from the other. He said, I will surely kill you. He said, God accepts only from the righteous. If you extend your hand to kill me, I am not extending my hand to kill you, for I reverence God, Lord of the universe. I want you, not me, to bear my sin and your sin. Then you end up with the dwellers of hell, such as the requital for the transgressors. His ego provoked him into killing his brother. He killed him and ended up with the losers. Now, when we read this uh, passage in the uh, Bible, what's interesting is that we see that it's not only that, you know, he did the same act. In this case, in the Bible, we have the names of the two sons as Abel and Cain. 
But the punishment for Cain is interesting that's specified in the Bible. So starting from uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Now Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So Cain was a farmer. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the fruit of the ground. Abel on his part also brought an offering from the firstborn of his flock and from their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his face was gloomy. And we see that when Cain finally uh, uh, did the act and killed his brother, that the punishment in the Bible that God sentenced to uh, Cain, uh, we can see in Genesis chapter 4, verse 12, it says, When you cultivate the, the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You'll be a wanderer and a drifter on the earth. Meaning that before this incident, before Cain fell into this sin, that he was a productive farmer. But after committing this sin, this gross sin of killing his own brother out of uh, jealousy and resentment, that part of the punishment for his years on earth was the fact that his cultivating of the ground would no longer yield what it used to. And this is a common theme in the Quran, that when we abide by God's commandments, the things are going to come to us fruitfully, freely, uh, with ease. But when we step out of God's kingdom, when we defy God's commandments, the punishment for that is that all of a sudden these things that came easily are going to come with great difficulty. And interesting enough, the second occurrence of the word ragadan in the Quran is in Surah 2, verse 58, and it's in the context of God commanding the children of Israel to enter the promised land and their refusal to do so. It reads in Surah 2, verse 58, it says, Recall that we said, Enter this town where you will find as many provisions as you like. Just enter the gate humbly and treat the people nicely. We will then forgive your sins and increase the reward for the pious. So God is telling them again, just enter this gate, treat the people humbly, and you'll have ragadan, provisions coming to you freely, generously, without you having to work for them. Yet, what was the outcome for the children of Israel that when they refused to enter the gate and abide by God's command? The outcome was that they had to spend the next 40 years wandering aimlessly in the desert. We read in Surah 5, verse 24, it says, They said, O Moses, we will never enter it so long as they are in it. Therefore, go, you and your Lord, and fight. We are sitting right here. He said, My Lord, I can only control myself and my brother. So allow us to part company with the wicked people. He said, Henceforth, it is forbidden them for forty years, during which they will roam the earth aimlessly. Do not grieve over such wicked people. So again, we see a theme. God gives a clear commandment. If you follow that commandment, God allows you to have things freely, without working, easily handed to you. But if you defy God's commandment, turn unappreciative, then all of a sudden your efforts are going to be completely nullified. You're going to work 10 times harder and reap a fraction of what you used to have. And we see the same formula emphasized in the Bible further, that if you abide by God's commands, then our ways will be fruitful and things will come easily. But if we disobey God's commands, then the consequences is that we will have to work harder 
to obtain even less than we had before. And if we go to Leviticus of the Bible, chapter 26, starting from verse 14 to 20, it reads, But if you do not obey me and do not carry out all these commandments, if instead you reject my statutes, and if your soul loathes my ordinances so as not to carry out all my commandments, but rather to break my covenant, I in turn will do this to you. I will summon a sudden terror against you, consumption and fever. They will make the eyes fail and the soul languish. Also, you will sow your seed uselessly, for your enemies will eat it. And I will set my face against you so that you will be defeated before your enemies, and those who hate you will rule over you, and you will flee when no one is pursuing you. If also after these things you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will also break down your pride of power, and I will make your sky like iron and your earth like bronze. Your strength will be consumed uselessly, for your land will not yield its produce and the trees of the land will not yield their fruit. This is a simple formula. You want to be successful? You want things to come easily for you? Then you abide by the commandments of God. By doing so, God guarantees His provisions. But if we choose to disobey God, to do the opposite of what God commands us, then we see that our strength will be consumed uselessly, that the land will not yield its produce, and the trees of the land will not yield their fruit. God emphasizes this exact same commandment in the Quran, in the example of the children of Israel and the Sabbath, we read in Surah 7 verse 163, it reads, Remind them of the community by the sea who desecrated the Sabbath. When they observed the Sabbath, the fish came to them abundantly. But when they violated the Sabbath, the fish did not come. We thus afflicted them as a consequence of their transgression. So in this example, we see that when this community of the children of Israel observed the Sabbath, the fish came to them abundantly. But when they violated the Sabbath and they worked when they were not supposed to, that the fish did not come. They did not get a single fish. This again emphasizes that when we abide by God's commandments, the provisions will come to us abundantly. But if we desecrate God's commandments and we disobey them, then we're going to get nothing but hardship. And this takes us to the last occurrence of the word Ragadan. So the first occurrence was with Adam and paradise. The second occurrence was with the children of Israel and the promised land. And the third occurrence, God does not tell us the name of this community. But we read it in Surah 16 verse 112. It reads, God cites the example of a community that used to be secure and prosperous with provisions coming to it from everywhere. Ragadan. But then it turned unappreciative of God's blessings. Consequently, God caused them to taste the hardships of starvation and insecurity. Such is the requital for what they did. God is citing us an example of a community that used to have provisions coming to it from everywhere. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to uh, do any hardship for it. It was readily available for them. But because they turned unappreciative, God removed these provisions and instilled instead starvation and insecurity. Think of how many people are born in a prosperous, 
thriving society. They did nothing to deserve this. They did nothing to earn this. This was freely given to them. But then they become unappreciative of this blessing that they inherited. They did nothing for. And the outcome of such actions is that this society that used to provide for them is now going to become a source of starvation and insecurity. And this is the importance of being appreciative for all the blessings that God has given us. That when God commands us to carry out a certain command, that He's doing this for our own benefit, that He's designed a system that if we do these things, it's going to allow us to be successful. In Surah 4 verse 147, it reads, What will God gain from punishing you if you became appreciative and believed? God is appreciative omniscient. God is not doing this because, God forbid, God is not sadistic. God is telling us that this is the system by which this world operates in. That these commandments He gave us is not because God needs our uh, prayers, our worship practices, our righteousness. God is informing of, of this for our own benefit. No different than if you go to a doctor and the doctor tells you, hey, these are the foods you need to eat. These are the exercises you need to do in order to be healthy. God is telling us the exact same thing in order to have a pure soul. It's important that we abide by these commandments. If we don't and we become unappreciative of the blessings God has given us, then the only one we're hurting is our own souls. In Surah 65, which God willing, we're going to read more of these verses. In the end of verse 1, it reads, Anyone who transgresses God's laws commits an injustice against himself. And it continues, it says, You never know. Maybe God wills something good to come out of this. And this is the piece we get hung up on. God is not punishing individuals because he wants to see them suffer. God is allowing this affliction to fall on people so they can do better. Take the example of Adam. When Adam sinned against God and was sent down here on earth, this was an opportunity for Adam to fix his ways, to purify himself, to be able to make it back into God's kingdom. In Surah 90 verse 4, God tells us the purpose of the creation of the human being. It says, we created the human being to work hard in order for us to be redeemed. The hardship we face in life is for one single reason. God expects better from us. And God is creating the situations in order for us to rise to the occasion. But if we don't abide by God's commandments during these hardships, that we don't draw closer to God, then these situations are only going to drive us further away from Him. The fact that God created every single one of us and He knows our capabilities and our limitations. The reality is we don't always realize this. We don't see the potential we have. And it's because of God's blessing that He allows these situations to happen for us to be elevated. In Surah 17 verse 11, it says, The human being often prays for something that may hurt him, thinking that he is praying for something good. The human being is impatient. You might be going through hardship right now, and your thought is, I would give anything to get out of this situation. But realize the fact that God is allowing this to happen means that there's a good reason for it. That God wants to allow you to grow from this situation and become stronger than you were before. 
Take the example of Joseph, who had so many hardships and ordeals in his life. Did God do this to smite him, to punish him? No, he did this in order for him to grow to his potential, to the point that he became the highest ranking individual, second to Pharaoh, in all of Egypt, that he was able to bring his family out of starvation at the time of famine. But there were times when, again, he slipped in prison when he implored his prison mate to ask his Lord to remember him, that he showed dependence to other than God, and because of that, he spent several more years in prison. But again, this was in order for him to be purified, in order for him to rise to the occasion, not to make the same mistakes again. There's something astounding that happens when a human faces hardship. It will either break them or it will make them stronger. In the military, during their training, they conduct something called stress inoculation. The objective is that if you can train someone under immense stress, then they will be able to perform better under such environments when an actual stressful event takes place. Such that the things that stress a person who had no struggle in life will not be noticeable for someone who experienced a much more stressful life. You think about how much stronger Joseph was after all these ordeals, after all this hardship, than he was before that. And because of this, it made other stress factors in his life probably seem so much more trivial that he could have the weight of the entire people of Egypt on his shoulders because he dealt with much more stressful situations. How many times was his life in jeopardy? But God pulled him out of that and again thickened his skin. The other week, uh, I went camping with my family. And we stayed in this beautiful little tiny house, this little tiny uh, cabin. And uh, despite having, you know, a comfortable bed and even our memory foam pillows that we brought from home, I still was getting kinks in my neck and in my back. And uh, it was one of those things where I'd wake up and just feel kind of groggy and headachy. And what cracked me up was one day we were walking to the, uh, the, the, the river and uh, I see this old man. He must have been in his 70s. And he was sleeping on top of a picnic bench, a wooden picnic bench. And he had nothing but a paper towel roll underneath his head as a pillow. And the guy looked so restful in sleep. And it just made me think about how soft I've become. That all these amenities that God has given me, these blessings, in actuality has softened me. To the point that when I'm not sleeping in my own bed, in my own home, that it's enough for me to have kinks in my back and, you know, be restless, that, you know, it's a blessing in the sense of this individual, that he probably lived such a hard life, that this aspect of sleeping on a hard park uh, picnic table with nothing but a paper towel was just like comfort, was absolute comfort for this individual. And it reminds me of this meme uh, where it had a rose and the rose is speaking. It says, the pH of the soil is too high. I'm going to die. And then in the other frame, it has a dandelion growing in the thick of this crack of concrete. And it says, heck yeah, concrete. And you think you want to be the dandelion. You don't want to be the rose. You don't want to be the individual who all of a sudden the change in the pH level of the soil is enough to make you wither and die. You want to be the individual that when you're jammed up against concrete with nothing more than a grain of uh, soil to keep alive that you're thriving. 
That's the kind of mentality that God wants from us. That's the kind of mentality that he's creating for us to thrive in. There is an expression, uh, it reads, easy choices, hard life. Hard choices, easy life. And this is the same advice God gives in the Quran. That if you try to make the easy choices, all you're doing is you're destining yourself for a hard life. But if you make the hard choices, then God guarantees us an easy life. Consider the children of Israel. They were commanded by God, after all the miracles they saw, to just enter the gate, to claim ownership to this land that God has promised them. But what they saw was that the easy choice was to say, no, I'm not going to do that. There are individuals there. They're going to persecute us. They're going to oppress us. I'm not going. You go. But what they were destining themselves by making this easy choice of refusing to abide by God's commandment was a guaranteed hard life for the next 40 years. Or consider Adam and Eve living in paradise, that they had everything handed to them. But when it came to the temptations of Satan convincing them to approach this one tree that God forbid them from, the easy choice was to just give in to Satan. But again, that destined themselves for a hard life that they had to spend to redeem themselves. In Surah 90, verse 10 through verse 18, it reads, Did we not show him the two paths? He should choose the difficult path. Which one is the difficult path? The freeing of slaves, feeding during the time of hardship, orphans who are related, or the poor who is in need, and being one of those who believe in exhorting one another to be steadfast and exhorting one another to be kind. These have deserved happiness. God is informing us that when it comes to these moral decisions to choose the difficult path, because if we choose the difficult path, God will make things easy for us. And this takes us back to Surah 65 of the Quran. Surah 65 is entitled Al-Talaq, which means the divorce. And if you talk to anyone who had to endure a divorce, especially when children were involved, consistently you'll hear that this was one of the toughest events that they ever had to partake in, harder than anything else they ever had to deal with. So it only makes sense that God gives some of the most pressing advice on how to deal with hardship in this chapter. And we already read Surah 65, verse 1, but I want to emphasize that the verse ends by saying, you never know, maybe God wills something good to come out of this. Meaning that as hard as this may appear, that God still is in control, that God may have something good to come out of this. We see in Surah 65, verse 2, that the last sentence of this verse reads, anyone who reverences God he will create an exit for him. Meaning that if you reverence your Lord, that God will create an exit for us of any hardship we might be facing. And we see in the next verse, in uh, 65 verse 3, and it says, and will provide for him whence he never expected. Anyone who trusts in God, he suffices him. God's commands are done God has decreed for everything its fate. And I want to emphasize, anyone who trusts in God, he suffices him. That in the times of hardship are the times that we have to trust in God the most. 
And it continues in the last sentence of uh, Surah 65, verse 4. It reads, anyone who reverences God, he makes everything easy for him. Meaning that by choosing the difficult path, despite that from the surface it looks difficult, that God will make it easy on us. That he has already trained us in order to be able to handle these situations. No different than when Moses objected to going to Pharaoh and asked for his tongue to get uh, untied, for his uh, brother's support. That God assured Moses that I made you just for me under my watchful eye. That God was fully aware of what Moses was capable of. Even to the point where Moses himself was unaware of what he had within him, his potential. And we see, again, in Surah 65, verse 5, the last sentence, it says, Anyone who reverences God, he remits his sins and rewards him generously. This is the ultimate blessing for any believer, to be admitted back into God's kingdom, to have their sins remitted, to be rewarded generously by God. What else could anyone ask for? And we read in Surah 65, verse 7, again, the last sentence, it reads, God does not impose on any soul more than he has given it. God will provide ease after difficulty. That if we want to have ease, we have to go through the difficulty. That this is part of God's promise. And notice this connection. Similar to when we read Surah 16, verse 112, about the community that had the provisions coming from everywhere, but then it turned unappreciative. That the following next verse, in Surah 65, verse 8, it reads, Many a community rebelled against the commands of its Lord and against His messengers. Consequently, we held them strictly accountable and requited them a terrible requital. They suffered the consequences of their decisions a profound loss. God has prepared for them severe retribution. Therefore, you shall reverence God, O you who possess intelligence and believe. God sent down to you a message, a messenger who recites to you God's revelations clearly to lead those who believe and work righteousness out of darkness into the light. Anyone who believes in God and leads a righteous life, he will admit them into gardens with flowing streams. They abide therein forever. God will generously reward him. God is giving us a way back into his kingdom. He sent us here on this earth to work hard to redeem ourselves. And that process is going to be difficult. But God guarantees that if we trust in him, that if we reverence him, not only is he going to make things easy for us, but he's going to redeem us back into his kingdom. And God willing, if we make it back, we will make it back in without these deficiencies, without these shortcomings. We will come back as better human beings and be able to withstand the glory of God in His presence. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store. And if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with others, leave us a review, and until next time, peace and God bless.